I'm Mike Seidel, CTO here at Pivot CX. Today on Pivot First, I have a special guest, Janice Chafin. She is the president of Top Source Talent. She's been a recruiter for IBM. She's been a recruiter for Motorola and then Lenovo, and really has just been a global leader in the whole talent acquisition world for a very long time. 11 years ago, she started her own company and I'm really, really pleased to have anybody on our show that's been able to start their own company and keep it rolling for 11 years. That's quite an achievement. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, Mike. And it's nice to to meet you again. Um, I met Mike and David Bernstein at the uh, TalentNet Live conference in Grapevine, Texas. We had a great yeah. conversation. So thank you for inviting me on your show. Um, yeah, I started oh, recruiting 35 years ago, I guess it is now, and uh, started out as a, an agency recruiter, you know, working for companies like IBM and Motorola. And then we had some kind of specialized, um, the, the, I guess we call it, you know, contract recruiting is what we called it back then, uh, where we spun off and a couple of people from our office and, and started working directly for these companies. And so I spent many years uh, working as a contract recruiter for both IBM and for Motorola. And uh, Motorola probably was my longest term contract. And then they started splitting their businesses off in 98, 99 timeframe. So I transitioned over to On Semiconductor and spent uh, several years working for On Semiconductor, um, as, again, as a contractor. I always preferred contracting. Um, but one of the areas was broadband that I supported On Semiconductor, and it went flat like in 2001. Uh, right before 9-11. So I took my one and only full-time W-2 paid job with a company uh, called Primarian that was a spinoff from some Intel execs that had left. Um, and now it's um, uh, TE Connectivity uh, took over Primarian years ago. But anyway, so I worked for them for a while until 9-11 happened. And then they're their business went flat. So I, I kind of went back off on my own um, for a little while, went back to school and finished my degree in Spanish from Arizona State University. And I was brought back to On Semiconductor when they were picking back up again and, and finished with them. Uh, but yeah, I've been working as a contract recruiter for many years. But what happens is um, when Motorola split off a lot of their businesses, uh, people were going in different directions. And but I had started great relationships with these people, you know, for many years, I had formed some great uh, alliances, relationships with hiring managers and other TA people. We called it staffing back in the day um, and HR, HR and staffing was, that was it. And, and you didn't have the distinction between recruiters and sourcers like you do now is it, it was an all in one job. And so anyway, uh, after forming a lot of great friendships and alliances, um, these people were now working for different companies and calling me and saying, hey, can you do some work for us? And I'm like, well, I'm just one person. So I was trying to juggle like three different contracts, I remember, in 2010. And I somehow managed it, but I started bringing people in to help me um, do some of the sourcing work and whatnot. So in 2013, uh, we, there was just so much work that I started hiring people and formed top source talent. And that's how the whole um, idea of, you know, I guess we are calling it a RAS company now, right? Recruitment as a service. Um, for a long time, we were called either staff augmentation or contract recruiters. And so all these new terms are coming up now over the last, what, 10, 11 years, I suppose it is. Um, and so for a while, people were calling us, I know Lamb Research called us an RPO, Intel called us staff augmentation. But then as, as a result of you guys suggesting uh, recruitment as a service at the, at the conference in Grapevine, um, I've introduced that then to a couple of my clients and they're running with it. They love the idea of the distinction between recruitment as a service and RPO. And I, I have explained to my clients that our difference between what we do and RPO is RPO companies, from what I understand, are bringing the entire recruitment process to their company. Um, I know that IBM uh, Professional Services, for example, has taken over a big chunk of Intel's business. And so they've got these long three-year contracts. So even if Intel wants to jump out of the game, they're going to have to pay out these big, huge three-year contracts. Um, they've got some pretty lofty fees that they're charging because they are a bigger company. 
There's a lot of them out there that do it. I think Ronstadt is one, um, Alex Mann Solutions. These are all big RPO companies. Corn Ferry has one. Mm-hmm. So for us little pe- person, little companies, you know, we're offering kind of similar services, but we're taking just a piece of that, the recruitment and the sourcing. We're not taking their whole entire TA, uh, what would you call it, or operation, if you would, under our wings. So we're providing these recruitment as a service um, services for for the recruitment and the and the sourcing, um, and also some contingent workforce we've done as well. But we're not, you know, we're we're kind of scaling going in and uh, while they need us, and then we go back out when they don't need us. And so, you know, they give us a ninety day you know window. Hey, we're going to roll you off in ninety days. Here's how it works. So they don't have these big three year contracts with us. So it's a lot more scalable. And so that's the thing that our clients like is that we're scalable. Um, they don't have to jump into big contracts and have these big payouts if they decide they don't need us, you know, any longer. So that's kind of what's separating us, I guess, from the, from the bigger. Well, Denise, I, I get to work, we get to work with a lot of, of different companies that are in the recruitment industry and, and all kinds of different labels, but all the ones that are calling themselves recruitment as a service seem to be pretty exciting. It seems to be very different than what we've seen in the past. And it seems to deliver a lot more value to the client than what we see with, you know, a traditional RPO or traditional staffing or staff aug kind of, kind of company. Um, are, are your customers starting to see that or as you present uh, recruiting as a service, as, as an option? They are. They are. In fact, um, I use one client as a referral for another client. You know, a lot of the companies that have contacted us over the last few years have been the semiconductor industry companies, either capital equipment or the chip manufacturers. So there has been a, a big, um, what would you call expansion in that particular industry? Other industries that we have worked in that like, like the, our recruitment as a service or RAS um, format is the medical device community. Um, they've kind of adopted that. It's, it's interesting, but they kind of adopted that um, uh, type of business probably back in 2008 is when we started working with Medtronic um, in this in this capacity. So it has caught on, but it's actually been, it actually caught on a long time ago. It's just now, like you said, it's just now has a name. And now has its own its own uh, reputation, you know, recruitment as a service versus being tied in with maybe staff augmentation or or RPO. So, the flexibility so the folks are liking, huh? Is that the deal? Huh? The flexibility is the biggest. The flexibility, the scalability, yeah. um, the fact also that we are working with um, recruiters that are here domestically. You know, there's a lot of, I think, RPO companies now that are offshore, they call themselves. Um, I think some companies like that because the the recruiters for the our big RPO companies that are offshore are able to work, you know, around the clock. Plus, I mean, I'm sure there's a huge cost savings to some degree in that area. Um, but we like to work with our recruiters who, who are here in the Americas. Um, we do have some people in South America that are working with us. But most of our recruiters are here in the U.S., maybe a few in Canada. So one thing that uh, we talked about just a little bit before we we came on uh, the podcast was how the recruiting business and how the job of being a recruiter has really changed. What have been the really big changes over the last, you know, 10, 20 years? and, And what are we seeing going into the future? Uh, The first big change is the of course, adoption of job boards, um, ATSs, you know, the, the, what would you call it? Uh, digital component that's associated now with talent acquisition or staffing compared to, I don't know, 20 little, of course I have to say going back 30 years, right? 30 years ago, you know, we thought we were a hot stuff with a fax machine and, you know, I mean, (laughs) With a fax machine. I, and it's funny because, you know, we used to buy directories from people when they were leaving their companies. We'd pay them 300 or $350 for a directory for their company because that's how we did our recruiting was, you know, with stolen directories. And in fact, um, you know, I was telling David the other day we used pseudonames. You know, my pseudoname was Lisa Bradley because I didn't want people to know who I really was when I was calling into their company stealing people um, or attempting to. But, you know, once we started, um, once the internet, you know, started, you know, growing and and flourishing, 
all of the job boards came into effect. And then we saw this distinction um, between what a recruiter did and didn't do. So once we had the adaptation of the ATSs and the job boards, all of a sudden now they're splitting a recruiter's role between recruiting and sourcing and, and coordination. Even coordination was, uh, you know, kind of something new that started back in the 90s, I think. Um, you know, people who were setting up interviews, you know, it used to be we do all of our own interviewing, um, our own sourcing, our own recruiting, you know, working what we called cradle to grave. Right. And I don't know. Do they use that term anymore? Um, I don't know about that, but I've heard I've heard the phrase full stack recruiter uh, a few well, times. Well, You're doing okay. the whole the whole thing from start to finish. And I think it's interesting you're bringing up that, you know, really there's been a specialization and it's not just sourcers and recruiters. There's also this coordinator role. And we've heard companies and had customers call those people candidate development representatives. So they're stealing a line out of the sales world where they're instead of business Um, development rep. It's the same concept, though. It's somebody there to really make sure that the meetings happen, the interviews happen, um, that that the candidates that are falling out of the pipeline get caught and put back in. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and let's hope that they're getting put back in, you know, because I think that's one issue that we're seeing now, you know, with all of these uh, different people and all these moving pieces inside of talent acquisition, you know, are the candidates falling out, you know? I mean, so it's good to hear that they're being put back in. Um, but, you know, now all of a sudden too, we're hearing this, uh, you know, a, uh, adoption of, of AI, of course, into our world. And, and a lot of the recruiters are afraid, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job or the source. of, oh, I'm going to lose my job to, you know, an AI or a chat bot, that type of thing. And, um, you know, with the other conversations I'm having uh, and have had um, some of the podcasts, because I do have, we have our own podcast, um, Talking TA with Top Source Talent. And so uh, we started that a year ago. I've had some great conversations um, I had um, Craig Fisher on. We talked about AI, excuse me, and what AI can do and what it can't do in terms of um, a, a viable asset or liability to our industry, you know, and, and what what the the upside to AI is and what it's going to be, what we see it's going to be, you know, this is what we anticipate, I should say, um, and what the shortcomings are as we see them right now. Uh, but, you know, this is still a very human centric business. You know, people, people want people, you know, still at some level, somewhere inside of the, the talent organization um, hiring stream, you know, whether it's at the very start, you know, a, uh, somebody reaching out to a candidate all the way up to onboarding them. You know, somebody there's got to be some human aspect to it. You can't just have chatbots doing the whole entire thing or or uh, AI uh, generated um what would you call it? Services, right? So, um, so are you starting? Well, I've never heard of a bot. Of I've never heard of a bot successfully hiring anybody. Have you, David? Supporting the process, not doing the right, not end to end full desk, right? Yeah, so. and I think that you know Craig Fisher made a good point. You know, when I was speaking to him about this, he said, you know, AI will probably make our jobs more efficient. You know, and what's it going to allow us to do? What kind of time is it going to free us up, you know, to, uh, to for, for that candidate development or that relationship building, not just with candidates, but with the hiring managers, you know, because, you know, we're kind of the liaison. We're the matchmakers. You know, they used to call us matchmakers, you know, between hiring teams and uh, and the candidates. Right. It's kind of like a, I've always used a, a, a comparison between the real estate market. You know, you've got real estate agents, right, who are trying to mm-hmm. you know, find homes for for buyers, right? Well, we kind of do the same thing. You know, we're trying to find the right candidates for for positions that are open for our clients. Um, and you know, it's still it's that uh, I guess intuitive um, nurturing, if you would, between the two. You know, you have to have a good relationship with your hiring team. I remember this hiring manager came into me one time and he says, "Okay, I need to hire." this engineer and here's the list of requirements that this person has to have and had a whole laundry list of requirements. And I said, uh, so does this person need to have freckles, you know, as well? And he said, nobody needs to have red hair and know how to drink beer, you know? Okay. So, I mean, you know, I was being using sarcasm and, and I said, you know, here's the thing, you know, at the end of the day, if you have a good relationship and you, 
and you are working as a business partner. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of fallen off too with talent acquisition. Um, we're seen as somebody who is more of an administrative role um, for, for our industry. And we're not. We're, we're business partners, you know, to the hiring teams. You know, I mean, we're working with you, not, you know, it, uh, I remember I was at a LinkedIn conference one time and they said, you know, how many of you feel like these hiring managers are just kind of lobbying this, you know, job description over the wall to you saying, here, go fill this position, you know, and, and it was a really great workshop at this LinkedIn conference. And they were talking about the responsibility of the hiring manager. This is your position. I'm here as your business partner to help you fill it. You know, I'm not an administrative, some administrative person, you know, um, I'm a subject matter expert in what I do as well as you are in what you do, you know, so help me understand your organization, help me understand, you know, what your needs are um, so that we can work together, you know, because that's, that's really what we're, what our whole industry is designed to do is to partner with, with hiring teams to get the, their positions filled. So, with so your business, as far you- as I, oh. oh, go ahead, David. No, I, in, in your <laughs> business, first. Yeah, no, as you're starting to think about then leveraging the technologies, because, you know, there's so much conversation right now about is AI t- going to take my job or is it going to make me better at what I do and, and, and free me up, make me better, a bunch of different uh, kind of augment, augmenting, right, like a superpower, uh, mm-hmm. or is it going to take away my job? Are you, are you guys beginning to think about how you're going to incorporate that in, into your business? Yes, to some degree. Um I mean, right now we're still waiting. You know, there's a guy named Don Locke that I work with. He um, has a company called Higher Key. Uh, he and Andrew Gardner. In fact, I did a podcast with Andrew Gardner a couple months ago. Um, it's on our our podcast library, um, and he talked about AI uh, because they basically are brokers for the talent acquisition industry, and they broker the different tools out to companies. So whenever there's a new tool that comes out, you know, I'm like. T- contacting Don, asking him, Hey, so what do you think of this tool? You know, cause oftentimes he's already researched it. Or the other day I was telling him about um, the company you were sharing with me, uh, David, and I had shared that company name with Don and he hadn't heard of it yet. Right. And so, and he was researching your company as well, because, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, they're experts in. So I fall on the expertise of people who are researching these different platforms before we jump into it, you know, because we've tried right now um, companies like a higher easy um, was one company we worked with for a couple of years, but honestly, you know, for what we do for our clients, um, you know, we're still very relationship oriented um, from a candidate, you know, recruitment standpoint. So I think that LinkedIn has still probably been our number one go-to um, I know that LinkedIn is trying to tie in AI. I'm, I'm not really, honestly, that that hot on their AI stuff, though. Um, you know, they want you to have even, uh, here, try our AI tool out for writing notes to prospective, you know, candidates or prospective hiring managers that you're trying to reach. And I tried it a couple times, and I didn't like the messages, you know, Why that not? AI yeah. was generating. So what, I'm what thinking, did you not eh. like about it? Um, they weren't relevant. They weren't the message I was trying to send out. You know, it, it didn't even translate, you know, to what I was the, you know, the note that I wanted to send off to whoever I was, I was writing to. Um, the one piece of AI that I do like um, and I think will be super efficient for us is uh, the resume writing or not resume. I'm sorry, job description um, uh, chat bots like chat GPT. And I like Bard. I'm more of a Bard AI person than chat GPT. But, you know, I like I had to have um a job description written for a CFO for a startup company a few months ago. And I put in all the different, you know, requirements for this position and Bard did an amazing job. And it gave me three different types of job descriptions I could pick from. So I kind of did a, a, you know, a copy and paste from each one and kind of created, you know, a job description for that, but that saved me hours. So I think that from, from that perspective, you know, AI can be a huge help to us as recruiters. How about you guys? What are you seeing? Well, you know, in, yeah, I guess I can answer this two ways. One is, one is, in, you know, in our product, um, you know, we deal with communication with candidates. So we have these chats and phone calls and all of that. 
um, one of the things AIs are very good at doing is summarizing and, and condensing, you know, what would have been, uh, you know, 43 text messages into a two sentence summary that lets a recruiter get up to speed on what's going on in the conversation faster. Uh, we found AI is very good there. Um, there's other places that we can do some subtle things with AI that work pretty well. Um, AIs can be really, really, really good uh, at writing searches, like Boolean searches. They are very good at that. What they're not good at is uh, giving them criteria and going, hey, get me all the people that match up with this because they're very much subject to however they were trained. And that may or may not, that may or may not result in the kind of a compliance issue where uh, the discrimination is baked in. So, but writing searches into other tools, they're fantastic at that. And if you haven't tried it, you, you should. No, I haven't yet. No, 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 so. no. That yeah, I want to. I want to learn more about that. That sounds amazing, actually. Now that's what they, yeah, they, they just, it's really interesting. Uh, I had a, a engineer friend of mine tell me that his opinion on uh, generative AI, which would be Chat GPT and Bard mm-hmm. and all the rest of the newer ones, is that they're all knowing but stupid. <laughs> <laughs> And I think he's kind of, I think he was kind of right because if you look at a job description that's that's something where if you if you read millions you know if you you ingest millions of job descriptions you're going to know how to write a good one you're just not going to know what you're really talking about and and it seems like that's what the AIs do they write great job descriptions well formed english and because job descriptions are just so functional they do a great job but when they look at persuasion and you look at that linkedin bot trying to write your sales outreach it kind of struggles doesn't it yeah, definitely. What about AI for resume writing? You know, that's a thing. That's a thing. And uh, you, you, if you're you're not seeing them yet, you're going to start seeing a lot of those being Maybe thrown at you. Maybe we should start one. Maybe we should start <laughs> one. No, I'm serious because, yeah. um, you know, we talked about um, you know AI matching resumes to job descriptions, right? And mm-hmm. I I made the comment. Yeah, there's so many people who don't ha- know how to write a resume. Um, oh and oh my gosh, it's is amazing. that a bigger is that a bigger problem than not being able to write a good job description, or is it the same magnitude? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe it's equal. I don't know. You know, I just I cannot tell you how many resumes I've had to rewrite. Even if I've asked candidates, okay, you need to go and rewrite this, and you need to you know build out your resume. You need to explain in more detail what you've been doing in the last two or three jobs, you know, writing down what your accomplishments are. I, I, I cannot tell you how many people I, I've said, do not, or told, I do not write an accomplishments resume. It's like, it, it won't be read. Okay. It'll just be tossed to the side. We want to know chronologically what you've been doing. Inside that chronological resume, build out what you've been doing with each position. But even still, you've got people who don't know how to, you know, craft a proper sentence, Right. Poor punctuation, poor grammar, typos. Um, they just don't know how to explain their job well enough. So in that case, I mean, having an AI tool that can help write their resume would be fabulous. Yeah. So, so hmm. Grammarly is the beginnings, of, right? Have you ever have you tried the Grammarly tool? It's a it's a beginnings of trying to help you write better, right? Not you know, punctuation, spelling. Uh, it learns your tone. Um, so when it makes new suggestions, it will advise what you might want to say instead, helps you kind of with run-on sentences, how to reorganize your words. There's a bunch of things that it's doing in an all-knowing kind of way, right? Because it's seen lots of writing over time. It's called Grammarly, right? Grammarly, yeah. It's that grammar checker that you can get as a browser plugin. It's uh, Most people use it just as a grammar checker, but they've added a generative AI that does writing, and uh, it does surprisingly well for a lot of things. Huh. So it, All right. So it's well, an example, right, of the emerging yeah. ways of how AI can be used to augment, right? So it doesn't start from scratch. I'm 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 writing, but it then enhances, right, and and saves me time because it goes back and proofreads for me and and some of these other things. So to you know, this theme I think is what's going to be emerging. I was just reading a study. Uh, Sherm just did a, a, a quick survey, but um, at according to their results, only about twenty percent of the HR departments right now are really engaged in trying to find uh, find the right places for AI in, in their function, right? So it's really nascent, really beginnings, right? We're still going to be, we're going to be learning a lot over the next two years, especially on on how this is going to be really effective and 
you know, but right now the hype cycle, everybody's, you know, hearing all what it can do and there's fear, right? Is it going to take my job or is it going to make me better at what I do? I know. I think we live you know, in a fear-based world, unfortunately. You know, I mean, people. Well, would, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give, give you my fear. I'll give you my fear as, <laughs> a, as, a, as, as the one person here who builds software. I'm, uh, the thing I'm afraid of with a lot of the gen AI is how easy it is to uh, create spam and fake mm. information. Mm. So while you two were talking, I fired up Grammarly and had it write a resume for me. And all I said is I know three computer languages and it wrote a beautiful five page resume. That's completely false. Wow. wow. Yeah. And so if you think about that, one of the things I think that Gen AI is going to do to recruiters is, and, and get ready for it is we're going to see a flood of, of bad information that, that is really because it's really easy for people to generate beautifully crafted resumes that contain completely false info. You know, I'm looking at this and it, 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 this resume, it's even made up jobs that I've held in the past. Oh my God. And, um, <laughs> it says, and I didn't tell it this. I didn't tell it this. It says I have a BS in computer science. Uh, yeah, you have BS for sure, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> let's see what university was from that. It did leave the blank. It did say fill in the blank for, for the name of the university. So it didn't say that uh, where I graduated from. But in a matter of seconds, I'm able to craft a complete fake resume. And I, I think we'll be looking as an engineer on the engineering side on all that ATSs and all those tools, job boards, all the places that we ingest candidate profiles. I, I think we're going to be seeing a surge of of you know fake and bad and fraudulent data, uh, the likes that we've never seen before. Uh, totally, Mike. Yeah. One of the things that, so we're, you know, right now we're evaluating a partnership with a company that does deep fake videos. Wait, right? so I got to write that. Oh down. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, actually Denise, right? this one is one, uh, it sounds horrible. Well, right. This so is a good one. AI for good or AI for bad. And, and so, you know, deep fakes, just like what Mike is saying, you can create a deep fake resume. Can you create, uh, well, I'll use the example. Can you get Joe Biden to say words that he actually didn't say? But it's, oh, yeah. it's his face saying these words. And so deep fake video in an evil way. But when you think about how do you, what the, the, the positive ways that you could leverage that, because so much of, as we were talking earlier about your business, right? How do you scale a function, right? And so what, you come in as a business and you help a company scale their recruiting team, right? Um, can you, how, how can you be more effective as a recruiter? Can you, can you create a thousand of you in one in one go? Can you talk to a thousand candidates personally, right? But you you've scripted it, but it's Denise's face saying, "Hi, Mike. Hi, David." All at the same time, right? It's that kind of kind Cloning. of capability, right? <laughs> and clone you and basically, but the deep fake video, but used for good, can really be an augmentation in recruiting, wow. when you're, especially when you're at scale, right? Create wow. hyper personalization and a bunch of other kind of great attributes. So, well, and I think it, I think all, all this tech, David and, and, and Denise, all this technology, you know, from the beginning, um, it's always been an arms race. Um, you know, you, you, it's like a hammer. One person will use it to build something and the other person will use it to destroy something. Right. Um, mm, yeah. they're, they're tools and, and AI is no different. You know, they work for good. They work for bad. But there are some fantastic use cases doing those personal introduction videos. Sounds like a real like a really good use for that technology. Um, you know, helping people write a better resume is a great use for an AI, but man, you could use the same tool that writes a great resume to write a great fake one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and you know, it's interesting because people have been writing fake resumes on their own without AI for a long time. I mean, <clears throat> oh yeah, <laughs> you know, just to get their foot in the door. Right. Uh-huh. Um, I remember a woman who was given, she was hired as a director for a, one of the big box stores um, uh, probably about 11 years ago. And, you know, they were going to onboard her. She was due to start after the first of the year. And all of a sudden they found out that she had lied about two of her jobs. She had lied about her education. She said that she had a degree when she didn't. Um, So all of a sudden, you know, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, um, they were still using a company. And I don't know, are people still using um, the companies who do verifications of employment and I think they do. I think they're still, yeah, yeah, because I've received um, uh, notifications and calls before from companies who are doing verification employment, but they also used to do education, you know, verification, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The schools and the schools will tell you whether or not someone's received a degree. 
So after that happened with her 11 years ago, she, of course, you know, they rescinded their offer to her. So, I mean, that, that is going to happen, you know, with or without AI, um, you know, and it's how do we catch that better? You know, do we start doing screenings ahead of time um, prior to interviewing people, prior to taking all that time to interview candidates? Are we going to have to then switch our screening process um, to understand, you know, for verification, employment verification, education verification? Are we going to have to start doing that ahead of time? You know, we we actually see quite a few of our customers that use our software doing that uh, where they'll before they actually get to an actual interview with a hiring manager, they've already pulled in all the credentials. Um, we've seen this in healthcare. We've seen this in education. Um, we've seen the, uh, the right in, in recruiting in software engineers, uh, the use of code testing. Uh, yeah. And it used to be that, that they'd interview people first. Now it's just, okay, you applied. We'll talk to you, answer some questions, code test, then interview. Right. And we, we see a lot of that because um, you know, it, it, Verifying that the person who's a, uh, that you might hire actually is what they say they are uh, is is important now. And I, I think with the rise of AI and the, just how easy it is to fake data and fake resumes, fake transcripts, um, it, unfortunately for the job seeker, it's you're, you're going to have to tolerate a little a little bit more skepticism from the recruiter and a little more skepticism from the employer because, well, it's just too easy to fake it. So yeah. you heard it here first, huh? So the rise of assessments as a result of AI kind of yeah. validate that the person is who they really say. So there I you think go. It's, more, more, it's yeah. more of the rise of prove it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's putting the, the cart in front of the horse, right? You know, versus on the, on the back end, you know, for verifications, right? Um, before you start onboarding somebody. So it, that, yeah. And, you know, you were talking a while ago too, Mike, about, um, you know, some compliance um, issues. So mm-hmm. I would, would you consider that then a compliance issue or, you know, let's talk about a little bit about that because it's good to, to understand, you know, from your perspective, Ooh. you know? Yeah. What, so what, from, what, from the compliance side and, and David jump in on this, because I think there's a lot, a lot to unpack when you talk about compliance and recruiting. Uh, so one, we have a lot of laws that are there that that require and, and regulations and contracts that say that when you hire somebody, they must have these things. They must meet these requirements. Right. You, know, you, you can't in some states, you can't serve alcohol, for example, if you are under 21. Right. Right. Um, we have a lot of things like that where you have to comply with those laws. So those are kind of things we don't think about a lot because they're so functional. But those are important. And then on the other side, we have discrimination. We have, uh, you know, all of the things when I say compliance, everybody immediately thinks OFCCP, EEOC, and uh, other kinds of, of diversity kinds of compliance. And, and all of those things are things where AIs can help and hurt. <laughs> um, you know, if you train an AI with a lot of, uh, you know, if I go to a company and go, we're going to train this AI on your your workforce and we're going to use it to match to the best employees possible. If that workforce just happens to be all old white men, the AI is going to conclude that good employees probably uh, have the attributes that uh, your employees have and it's going to be biased. So we, we run into those problems. Um, then on the other side, on the, you know, the entry point, those hard requirement kinds of things, uh, you know, people try to game those because they want to get the job. The classic is, uh, you know, uh, you know, if we go back to World War II, it was uh, people that were 14 and 15 wanting to join the army and lying to the recruiters about it. So, you know, it works, it works all of those ways, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. And you were talking about discrimination, you know, and AI not having the ability at this point in time, to um, identify discrimination or bias, right? So how is that going to be corrected, you know? And is that going to be then one of those functions where you're going to need to bring a person in, you know, a real human, you know, to kind of be that intermediary then between what AI is doing and uh, not doing? Right. So some states have even begun to implement laws to try to put guardrails around this. New York, for example, has a I believe it's called NY, uh, New York NY, uh, 144. But anyway, uh, puts a, a burden on employers to kind of make sure that the AI that they're using 
uh, to, that may guide employment decisions, right? Consideration, right? If you're going to have a machine algorithms be involved in these decisions, then how do you know it's bias free, right? So they put the burden on, on employers to make sure that they're using tools that don't have inherent bias in it, which is how do you validate that, right? So it creates the rise of an industry to go in and, and be these auditors to kind of check things out. But it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's nascent. And again, that same SHRM uh, survey I was referring to called out that 75, so while only about 20% of organizations are beginning to find the right way to implement AI, 75% have no policies or guidelines yet. They're not even thinking about it, right? So yeah, it's, it's really early days, right? So. Well, it is. I, I think wild. Go ahead. I think wild west is the right the right description of what's going on in AI right now. It is. It is. That's interesting. I heard somebody else use that term, um, and the fact that just AI in general, like if um, what, was it sixty minutes? I think we saw it on where, um, and then Fareed Zakaria on Sunday morning has that show GPS, and he had on um, a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was a week ago. Uh, Bill Gates talking about AI. He also had the president and, and so did 60 Minutes, the president of Google. Um, and the guy who they call him the godfather of AI, what's his name? Um, talking about, you know, hey, we're, we're just at the beginning. You know, they were talking about the Wild West uh, idea as well and how, you know, there is still so much to do to put, like you said, guardrails and safeguards up for AI to keep it safe. I mean, just from a cybersecurity standpoint, keeping it safe. And so they're working on that piece of it. And then, you know, there's all these other um, areas that we're going to have to be watching out for. In the meantime, you know, we're going to try to um, assess these tools as recruiters, right? And as like you guys will too, um, we're all going to be trying to assess these tools and see what's, what's going to work best for us, what really is going to be effective, an effective tool for us to use as recruiters, um, or is it going to be more harm than good? Uh, but here's the other piece of it. I think the software companies that are going to develop AI tools need to have a, a really uh, open mind about how, what kind of contracts they're going to sell to their customers. You know, these companies, a lot of them, I know, seek out um, Hire Easy, uh, Find Them AI. Um, who are the others that I'm thinking of? They want you to sign year-long contracts or even LinkedIn. You know, you have to sign year-long mm -hmm. contracts with them. So what if you get in there and three months later, you know, this, you know, this is like phew, not working at all for me, you know, I, here's this problem, that problem that, I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe it does one or two things, you know, that we want it to do, but we're running into more issues and it's creating more work for us on this end than we are expecting. So since there's going to be, we're going to be flooded we're already seeing it. We're being flooded with new software to assess and to try out and um, see what's going to work best for us these companies really need to give us a break, I think, and let us work on, on these, on these uh, um, new pr pr uh, platforms and programs, you know, three months at a time, you know, yeah. give us 60 days, give us 90 days and let us try it out. You know, this trying it out for one week, Zoom Info contacted me and, mm -hmm. and oh, here, I'm going to give you this tool to use for four or five days. I said, that's not enough time. I mean, how, yeah, this was before Christmas. I said, first of all, everything's slowing down. You know, you need to be trying to sell your tool when we're really busy, you know. But you need to give us like 30 days to try out your tool before you try to sell it to us, you know. So um, I see problems with that right away because, you know, we're being, again, we're being flooded with all these invitations to try out these tools. But how are we going to really be able to assess them accurately in a five-day period? Yeah, no, it's a good point. We, we actually have that as a, as a part of our process, Denise. Um, so it's kind of, it, so I'll validate for you that that actually is a very helpful approach. We offer our customers up to three months of a, of a trial period to, to experiment and see, because it's one thing to kind of, you know, see it on paper and see it in the demo. What's another thing to put your hands on and understand the ripples and the effects as you, as you're kind of pointing out, right? Yeah. Well, and here, the thing is too, is, um, are there sites we can go to yet that, uh, where there is a, um, 
what would you call it? A, a, a survey, a running survey of the tools and what everybody thinks about them, you know, from small companies to big companies. So we can kind of see, you know, get the opinions of others without just a bunch of LinkedIn posts coming in all the time. Right. Yeah, other services like G2 and others. I know um, you mentioned Craig earlier. Craig has a cool tools list that he put oh, yeah. publishes in conjunction with his hiring humans book. Um, yeah. So he has a quarterly update he does to his cool tools as, but again, that, you know, that's kind of like an industry favor he's doing, right? Yeah, I, uh, you know, in G2, you pay, right? It's a paid review site. So it's kind of like Yelp for software. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, it's all of this. But we need that. Though, right? Yeah. Yeah, but we're going to need that type of yeah. um, assessment tools, you know, just so we understand. You know, I, Go ahead. Denise, I love, I love, you know, reviews and, and, and third-party validation. But one of the things about software that, that is really different is it's one of the few things, especially web-based software, it's so easy to try it out for yourself. And and I, it amazes me how many companies make it hard to try. I know. You know, hard to see what's in the in the box. And and sometimes it's by having like a, like a one-week trial. Well, how can I use this in a complicated business process in one week? Then there's yeah. the other end of the spectrum that's like, well, we we only will do this if you sign a one year contract, and, and um, it, it really is something where I think I think it's important for uh, for companies to be able to try things out uh, and to make sure that they they're able to do what they need to get done with it and that there is a benefit for them. Uh, that said, um, you know it's a it's tough because we're, as a software company, we got to make our money eventually <laughs> somewhere. Right. Exactly. But I mean, you know, yeah. if you're if you're proud of your software, you're proud of your tool um, and you feel confident that that company is going to come back or person is going to come back and say, oh, yeah, this this works fabulously. You know, I think that, you know, you have to have a little trust and confidence in your own product, you know, and be able to say, OK, we have to let our even if it's for 30 days, you know, we have to let these people try this out, you know, even if it's for a month so that not only are they going to be convinced, but then they're going to tell somebody else, you know, Hey, this company will let you try it out for 30 days instead of just five days, you know? So there's going to be, I think a run on with that as well, because I just, in 35 years of recruiting, I have never seen so many new companies just, you know, surging forward, you know, to try to sell tools, especially now with AI, everything's AI oriented. And we have this with AI, we have that with AI. So it's like, all right. And we're, we're all dizzy, you know, <laughs> going, which one do I try? You know, it's like too many, like a, a woman in a shoe store, oh, too many black shoes, which one? I'll just buy them all, you know, but you can't, you know, you can't because, you know, hey, well, at least the shoe stores have a 30 day refund, you know, I mean, they'll let you, as long as you haven't walked outside in them. But I, it, it's just amazing to me. Um, another tool that we use and Jerry Crispin and I had a conversation um, about a month or so ago. In fact, I was just editing his um, my podcast with him last night, and he brought up, or I think one of us brought up, um, the tool that's called um, Hire. Oh gosh, it's a tool that does the the digital interviews. Um, I'm good, not going to hire easy Hire View. Yes, Hire View. So that was a great tool. That was a great tool, and I remember working on that tool with one of our customers. Um, I don't know what kind of, um, you know, upgrades they've had, but, you know, it was like, I don't know, 10 or so years ago that we were using that tool. And um, tools like that, I think, are going to be also effective. Um, I don't know how much AI is going to tie into it. And do we need AI in everything that we do? I mean, that's the other piece of it. You know, we've been working really well without AI for many, many years. How much AI-oriented software do we really need versus a tool like HireVue that's just going to help us you know, for example, if we're working with a, a client who said, okay, we need to hire 30 assemblers or we need to hire 30 manufacturing engineers or 30 technicians, you know, if we had HireVue and we could set that up and help us to, um, you know, fast forward the whole interviewing process for that many people with the same skills, that kind of tool is super effective. And that doesn't have AI or didn't have AI tied to it. I don't know if it does now, but, you know, those types of, um, uh, programs are effective as well to help us as recruiters to advance what we're doing and to be more efficient to our clients. So I don't think everything has to have AI tied to it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, so the the use cases are emerging, right? Uh, 
CES in, in Las Vegas was just recently held. And w one of the things that I read about was a, a, an AI infused barbecue, right? <laughs> that, a grill, right? Um, but the, the, the gist of it is pattern recognition, right? Because it could look at meat as it's being cooked and understand the patterns and help you find when your meat is at a certain, it often looks like this. And so it basically, you know, get meat cooked the way you like it every time, 100%, right? So yeah. helping, right? And, but again, pattern recognition. And if we take the idea of pattern recognition, again, we've talked about already, you know, as we kind of wrap up here a little bit, but, you know, um, you know finding more lookalikes, right? That could be a problem, as Mike was saying. You know, you, you, you know if you base the pattern off of something that is biased in, in, the, in the original training set, right? If all your, right. if, if your training what good employees look like based on a group of past hires that are all white men, well, guess what? Then it's going to replicate that kind of pattern recognition at scale, right? So again, th this is kind of the, 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 the two-sided thing that we're, we're right? We're, we're all, right? Wild Wild West, very early beginnings. It's, it's, it's interesting times to be recruiting it, but you know, back to what you're saying, such a human-centric business. Right? It is. Some relationships are what matter. Machines don't do the hiring, they, right? And so, mm -mm. yeah, it, it's fun and to I be on the think, front edge of this, right? As we begin yeah, and I don't think it. people need to be worried about their jobs. I mean, you know, I remember uh, during the dot-com period, people were worried about their jobs. During Y2K, people were worried about their jobs. You know, after 9-11, you know, after the, in 2008 with the real estate market. I mean, everyone's like, hey, my job, my job, you know. But as, as some jobs go away, other new jobs will surface, right? right. So... Um, I've never seen that there's a shortage of, of positions or jobs or career opportunities for people. Um, you know, I have, uh, I know one of my recruiters who is uh, studying to be um, a psychologist, you know, because he goes, you know, this, my job as a recruiter is great. He said, but it's made me think I want to go beyond recruiting now and do something more on the HR side with psychology. So I many other opportunities are going to open up for people, you know, in and around um, the recruiting sphere, if you would, HR or organizational development or talent management, there's other avenues that people can go into. So instead of being fearful about their job, you know, just keep your mind and eyes open for what other opportunities might pop up. Right. So I think that's absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, it's uh, yeah, the AI, AI is, is going to do what oh. technology has always done. It's going to, it's going to take some things, make them very easy to do so that we have time to focus on things that are more difficult and important. So yeah. hopefully, you know, the AI th story five years from now, 10 years from now, ends up being a pretty good one. I think it will be. Yeah. In the meantime, I think that as recruiters, uh, we need to probably develop two things. One, a community uh, for ourselves somehow, um, and, unless there's one already and we all need to jump, I need to jump on board, um, to help. Uh, assess again, assess all these tools as they're coming in as recruiters to, to see what's working best for each different, you know, recruiting team, depending on what they're working on, um, because different industries have different needs. Um, also, we need to look at what we need from AI and make that a very make that very vocal. Um, I think that, again, finding an AI tool that's going to help write resumes. OK, so. I don't know that chat GPT and BART is going to do it right now, but you know, that's something to focus on. So what do we need AI to do? You know, we need to be vocal about that. And then also we need to share with each other what's, what's working, what's not working so that we can help the companies that are developing that software to, to move forward with their, their programs and those that are going to fall away, they just fall away, you know, but anyway, that's my two cents. So we've kind of come to the, the end and we always ask our guests two questions. And I always tell people that, that uh, there, there's no right or wrong answer, but you can get them completely wrong. <laughs> so uh, the first question is uh, what book has had the biggest impact on your business life? Oh my gosh. On my business life. Um, oh my gosh, I got I got to think about this. Let me get my audible. Let me get my audible out here because I've, I've been reading some really <laughs> great books here lately. I have my little library here. Um, there is, oh, here's a good one that ha has had a huge impact recently. 
It's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. What did you like about that? That book is about negotiating. This guy was a, um, a hostage negotiator. <laughs> and he talks about negotiating. Um, and as a business owner, you know, I do a lot of negotiating, right? I mm-hmm. read this book twice. And so I, I guess, you know, um, another one I think that's really good um, that I just read. Oh, the, po- the Power of Positive Thinking, of course, has always been a good one. I've read that one numerous times. Uh, and then there was another one. Um, oh, there's another book called How to Talk to Anyone. And so those were, those were some, some great books I've read recently. But I think that one uh, that I was telling you about, mm-hmm. what the title is, um, but that one's probably my fave. And I, like I said, I read it twice. And I think that the guy is, he has an amazing um, story about how he did, yeah, never split the difference, how he did uh, worked as a um, hostage negotiator and how you can trans transfer his skills as a hostage negotiator into business. Wouldn't, wouldn't it kind of be hard as a hostage negotiator to split the difference sometimes? <laughs> Read the book. <laughs> it's good. Okay. It's a good book. I, it, so, it sounds really, really good. Uh, so last question. Uh, what's your favorite movie? It can be a show. Too. My favorite, probably the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> mm, yeah, that is that is funny. If you if you were to go into my house right now, I have uh, I have a couple daughters that do theater, and and one of them just landed Dorothy in a production of the Wizard of Oz. So Perfect. we've got a yellow brick a yellow brick road in our living room. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, my mom said I used to try to take Dorothy out from behind the television set when I was a little kid. But I probably have seen that movie more than any other movie in my life. So I guess that's why I say it's my favorite. Plus, you know, I love I love the the whole, you know, thing with the scarecrow and the tin man and you know, their their quest for their their quest for a brain and a heart and courage. So yeah, it's just a good story. <laughs> right. It is, it is. It's an all-time great. So, it is. Denise, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. Since you me. do have your own podcast, uh, where can people find your podcast? TopSourceTalentLLC.com forward slash podcast. Is all right. Podcast. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us and thank for David. All right, David. And for David and I, night. thanks so much uh, and for uh, coming and joining us and have a great afternoon. Hey, you too. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>